Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fantided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me uh, to, I, I don't know what, what we're doing at this particular point. Um, I've run out of clever things to say about this this stretch here, but uh, fellow contributor Akshaz Dovadula. Akshaz, welcome to Groundhog Day, and how are you doing? I am... I've done something that I don't usually do. Okay, so I'll put it this way. I'm a sore loser when it comes to football. Uh-huh. I do not like, as I think is fair for most fans of teams, I do not like it when the 49ers lose, and I don't like react well to it, especially when you get as invested as a 5-0 and start kind of leads you to believe. So I usually have the NFL like Google search page as my Google home screen. That way I just get football news right now. Right. Not anymore. It's basketball season, baby. <laughs> wow, man! All it took for was <laughs> three weeks for for Akshay to to jump ship. No, he's not jumping ship. He's here with us uh, all the way through the end. Um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly strange. Like, how weird it is it that not three weeks ago we were having this conversation about how dominant the 49ers were on Sunday Night Football and like the Cowboys are nothing and this team's going to run the table. I I must also apologize for uh, pre-selecting uh, the 49ers to go 8-0 heading into their bye week. I feel like I ruined it. So it's my bad, everybody. Um, but uh, nonetheless, here they are, sitting at 5-3 after a 31-17 to loss to the Bengals on um, Sunday afternoon in their big homecoming uh, after two straight uh, losses on the road to con- considerably to teams that are by and large worse uh, than them. I think um, this Bengals loss is more interesting in, in, on that level in terms of whether or not the matchup was was a probably more uh, a closer one than it probably would have been regardless. It's just, it makes it worse because obviously it's three losses in a row. Obviously there's a bye week next week, so there's no no way to turn the ship around for a couple more weeks. And then it doesn't really get a whole lot easier on the back end of the buy. Um, you know, got to travel to Jacksonville. Uh, you have that sort of sandwich game later in the month. Uh, not really too much later in the month uh, with the Seattle, the Philadelphia, Seattle sandwich. Um, of course, on top of everything else, Seattle moves into uh, first place in the NFC West by nature of their having played fewer games at this particular juncture, uh, sitting at five and two in first place. Um, and the 49ers sitting on the outside looking in. They would still technically be in a wild card team if the season ended today, um, along with Minnesota and Dallas, I believe is what I saw, but not really the place that you expected them to be after that five and zero start. Yeah, I mean, we can. Like, I think I said in the preview to this game, this kind of determines the trajectory of the season. What I meant by that was exactly kind of what we have happen right now. This team is no longer, like, obviously, they're trying to get the one seed. They're trying to do all these different things. But this team's focus is now, we got to, like, win this division. Because if the 49ers don't win the division, and that is certainly possible, then I would say, you know, we can have a little bit, like a little bit of hope that they'll fix things and kind of, you know, not drop games to teams they shouldn't drop games to. We'll be able to, they'll be able to get back in that first place. But 
I mean, you complete everything that you have to do, all the things that are like, what is like the immediate importance is now like, make sure that you win the division. So, I mean, it's interesting because five and three is not a terribly horrible record to be at, but it's the way in which we've seen it play out that I think is the concerning part. Right. Yeah. It's the really hot start. It's the looking untouchable for five straight games. And then, you know, I I called it Groundhog Day when we were chatting before (laughs) before we started recording. Um, And I was like, this has been the same game three weeks in a row They've just like literally it feels like it's played out almost exactly the same way. I mean, obviously, you can look at the fact that the 49ers have only scored 17 points in three straight games. And I think the only major difference is we've seen the offenses that they've gone up against increasingly get better. And so therefore, uh, the 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 defensive problems from the 49ers perspective have been exacerbated by that. Like the, the Browns offense was not is not very good. And so therefore, the fact that they were able to put up the points that they were makes it even worse. Uh, you know, the Vikings were without their best offensive player and yet, and they struggled to really put up points. Um, the, I mean, this is really the first, this Bengals loss is really the first time that somebody's just really like walked in and just like, just put up a bunch of points on them. Now, some of it to a certain extent, like the, the last touchdown is a completely unnecessary, like garbage time. So you could make the case that that's, you know, the 31-17 probably reflects the game pretty well, even if it was more of a 24-17 kind of game in the way that it probably played out. The last touchdown was unnecessary and doesn't really tell any doesn't tell us anything. But I don't know. Um, you know, I called it I called it Groundhog Day at the beginning of the episode. Um, and for those of you who are too young to get that reference, I'm uh, referring to the Bur- the Bill Murray movie, not the the uh, February holiday, as it were, um, <laughs> in, in just this like repetition of things. And it's really, really, really making it clear where the issues are with with the offense, with the defense, with the team as a whole. And I think that for me, that's the most frustrating thing. Losing to the Bengals in a vacuum again is not necessarily a bad thing. Having a bad day against the Browns offense in a vacuum is not really a bad thing. Um, the Vikings thing is really confusing because they're sort of kind of a mediocre team in the middle. Their four and four record tells us everything they need to know. Um, but yeah, like the string of games back to back to back is really what makes this worse, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's the issue, right? They're at seven and one. We're like, oh, tough game, you know, a couple things to clean up on. But and they could have been, too. That's the real yeah. mm-hmm. issue, I think, is that we're not, like, going out on a limb and saying Jake Moody can hit one field goal and Brock Purdy doesn't throw, like, two interceptions leading two drives down the field. Like, it's totally possible they are 7-1. and one. I don't think even, like, this game against the Bengals, and this is part of the issue with this team in terms of why 5-3 and three is simultaneously better and worse. Like, it's a great spot to be in objectively, right? You want to win more games. And the first half of their schedule is definitely easier than the back half. So you kind of wanted to bank them in here, but five and three is workable. I mean, they were three and five last year and then went on a tear. So you, know, you can survive most any kind of start, especially with the talent they have. But the issue is kind of they've had chances and you've seen them play what is effectively like their C game, three games in a row, 
and have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. And we kind of like have talked about, they weren't like, they were world beaters, but they weren't playing super well. We thought there was a lot of improvement in that five and zero start and they were winning, but now they also, they still have improvement, but now they're losing. And that just cha- that changes the whole dynamic of like, as we said, there are no lessons in football. A lesson only happens when you win. Otherwise <laughs> it's just a loss. So right. that's kind of where they're at right now. Yeah. Um, not a, not a super great place to be. Um, I gotta say. And of course, as the, the players and the coaches have been sort of saying as they've done their sort of bi-week exit interviews as, as so to speak, um, over the last couple of days, the worst part of this is there's nothing they can do about it. I believe Kyle Shanahan said that there's there's just nothing they can do about it, um, at least like to completely remove the stain of 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 this losing streak until, you know, for 14 more days or a little fewer at this particular point. Um, and, you know, that that's got a sting. Obviously, they'll they'll have the week off and they'll get back to, to work next week. But. Yeah, I mean, you would have liked to have to have righted the ship heading into the into the bye week, but this is where you are. Um, and as you noted, and as several of the players noted, uh, most specifically Nick Bosa, I believe, mentioned something about like they've been in worse positions before heading into their bye week or heading into this sort of portion of the season. As you noted, they were the the opposite of where they were um, last year. I actually remember specifically um, the 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 quote unquote turnaround game last year. I'm sure you remember as well. It was Christian McCaffrey's true and um, uh, actual beginning to his start as a 49er where he just ran roughshod over the the Rams into the tune of running for a touchdown, receiving a, a touchdown and throwing a touchdown in a game that they won. And then they didn't lose for like two more months. Uh, so they, they, they need that kind of game. And unfortunately they didn't get it against the Bengals and it's going to have to wait at least uh, a couple more weeks um, before they can, uh, they can try to do that. And frankly, it's um, they're going to, they're going to need to do some work over this, this bye week to figure out what the problems are. Um, but um, I don't know. Let, we can, we can talk about that. We, we, we sort of decided up, at the before we we started here that we're not going to do the sort of traditional response to the game simply because as we've said already a couple of times this seems the the problem seems to be or seem to be the problem seem to be the same like this is the same issue they're having the same issues offensively they're having the same issues defensively for the last three games no matter who the opponent is and again some of it is you have to look at who the opponent is and kind of make the decision like the offensive struggles against Cleveland were because Cleveland's defense is a really top unit. But then how do you explain the offensive troubles against Minnesota? Who's you know good, but not great. And similar to with the Bengals. And then from on the flip side of that is you could, you could explain the defensive troubles against a team like Cincinnati, which has that three headed monster at, at wide receiver um, and in a top quarterback in Joe Burrow. But it's harder to explain why that happened against PJ Walker and a really mediocre <laughs> at best Cleveland team. And I think, again, that's, that's where the trouble comes and that's where I sit and I go, okay, so what, what is it? So I don't know. What, what, what do you think? If you had to put words to it, Akshaz, what would, what would you say are the, the sort of main issues here for this team? Well, so in a grand departure from what I normally do, I'm going to be positive for one. Hmm. And I'm going to say, because I do think there are a couple players we need to highlight. 
I thought George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk were phenomenal against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to note because they kind of kept this offense afloat and that matters, right? They, Ayuk's been incredible every time he gets on the field and Kittle's slowly getting more involved. And the reason why I'm mentioning that is because the problems are kind of manifold, right? We have an anemic run game paired with a defense that's losing on first down and second down and losing on third down. And in case that like sounds kind of confusing, that means exactly <laughs> what you think it means. They are just losing. Yeah. There is no like place where the 49ers defense except turnovers. That's the one place that they've kind of been able to keep games in the balance. That's kind of where I think things are falling apart is that they are getting gashed for runs. They allow too many easy yards off completions. And when they don't allow yards off completions, their corners and safeties are way too grabby. And I think defensively, we have like, and I preface this by saying, I'm not like some film guru who's watching the all 22 and giving you like, I can tell you exactly like what each player's assignment is. But I think this is prevalent enough to where even like someone like me who's just watching the games and thinking about them and like doing some base level analysis, there's like a fundamental mismatch of ability to like action. And what I mean by that is, look, Mooney Ward is a great free agent signing. Let's not get it twisted. But he's not good enough right now to be your standard like cornerback one shadow the best receiver and you can call it like a wash he's just not there and that's okay that's not like an indictment on a player you know you don't have the best player at every position on your team but the Niners are putting him on islands and he's getting handsy because he's getting beat and that's creating a lot of defensive holding calls a lot of illegal contacts Lenore has been playing pretty okay which is I think the interesting part he's also getting beat quite a bit but I think Ward is more of the issue, but this is, I think this just comes from a schematic issue overall, right? You're asking your corners to do stuff that they're not comfortable and capable of doing. And, you know, the positive is that they rise up to the challenge and then all of a sudden you have a shutdown secondary. The negative is that they're getting like dice down there. I think that pass rush has been very anemic. They showed some signs of life against Cincinnati. I think part of that is that teams are, explicitly trying to pass early against the 49ers but i think part of it is tied to coverage there's an old adage that you got to cover the first option then your pass rush has to get home they play hand in hand you're not going to win a game even if your pass rush is roaring the quarterback can throw the ball within two seconds of making a read and right now quarterbacks are able to get five yards whenever they want i mentioned after the cowboys game i think in a, in words that seem so ludicrous in hindsight, the 49ers <laughs> can get five yards on a play if they want. They can just scheme it up and they'd get five yards on offense. Now, that's not the case anymore, but that's neither here nor there. But on defense, it feels like the defense allows teams to get those five yards. It's a lot of – so there are a lot of chunk plays. That's the biggest issue. But there's also a lot of methodical plays. The only thing that's really helping the 49ers is that they create chunk defensive plays. We're not seeing a lot of like, you only allow one yard on first down, incompletion on second down, now it's third and nine. No, that's not how this defense is operating anymore. It's like, 
you allow six yards, seven yards, five yards, boom, you get a sack or you force a fumble. And now like the drive is busted, but you can't win in the NFL playing defense like that. And I think that's the issue on defense is that the pass rush is kind of like, it's not firing right now, which is the biggest issue. There's some hesitancy in like their get offs, I think in how they're attacking. I think the corners are too aggressive right now when asked to be in man and put in difficult positions. And in zones, the zones are too soft. You're just allowing too many yards. And I think Fred Warner's not being utilized as well as he could be. Fred Warner is the best middle linebacker in the game. And he's uniquely, arguably, in my opinion, the best, most important defensive player in the NFL because he can cover slot corners better than half the slot CBs in the NFL. And he can erase the middle of the field. But right now, you're putting him 15 yards back in the Tampa 2. You're not giving him a chance to make a play on the ball, right? He's getting taken out of plays earlier. Now you get a soft underneath five, seven-yard route, and Warner's not there to make a play on it. Like, you're just your – te- you're allowing teams to get easy yards. And I think what's happening is that the defense is not being put in positions to make easy, smart plays. And when they are being put in positions right now, they're struggling to convert them. But that's a different story, right? Execution is a huge part of this, and the Niners are not executing right now. But on the defensive side, I just don't think they're being put in positions to succeed. On the offensive side, not to enter a diatribe on everything <laughs> wrong with the team right now. Well, that's where we're going. That's fine. <laughs> I think on the offensive side, I honestly think it's as simple as they just got to like convert on key downs. That's key downs and key situations. When this team clicks, the offense goes down the field and it's effortless. But think about the game against Cincinnati, and we can like counter off exactly the issues. Third down and one, second down and two on your opening drive, you don't get two yards. That's a simple execution issue, right? Like your team should be able to get two yards on two runs. There's no other way to put it. If you can't do that, you're going to lose a football game. Brock Purdy's first interception in the red zone. Shouldn't hold on to the ball there. Shouldn't make that decision. Already blew up the play because it's an RPO and he's taking too long. That's an easy hand the ball off, make a play. George Kittle dropping a pass. Brandon Ayuk dropping a pass. A couple bad holding penalties on this team. And then Purdy's interception again. Pressure coming at inopportune times. Running into blitzes. Not blocking people properly. Routes not being run to completion. All of these things are happening on important downs and critical situations. So you get a situation where this team on offense can get the yards, right? 17 points is not indicative of the ease by which they were moving the ball, but it's indicative of the fact that right now this team can't buy a touchdown, (laughs) right? They have a drive or two and it's working great. But other than that, it's a slog. And what we saw when they were scoring 30 points is red zone conversions. Fantastic. And every time they're getting close, they're getting something out of it. So, I mean, at the end of the day, Shanahan, I think, to paraphrase from he said, we have the answers in this building. And he's right, right? We saw Mm -hmm. five games of them having the answers. And the answers are simple. Play better. Like, schematically, (laughs) you can change some things up. I think defenses are attacking the run game better. Getting Trent Williams back changes everything because he's a monster. Getting Debo back changes a lot. But, look, other teams have injuries, too. That's not an excuse for losing three straight. That's definitely not an excuse for losing to the Browns or the Vikings. Right now, we have this team 
is faltering at key spots offensively. Defensively, I think you gotta you gotta go to the drawing board and you gotta resort out exactly what it is you want this defense to look like because they have to. I don't. It's hard to say this because I'm ascribing a lot of intent and like emotion and thought to something that we can't like tell. But it just feels like this defense isn't like playing aggressively, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's unsure of itself, and that's just creating a trillion issues because you're unsure of yourself. Like, what are you going to do? You're not covering as sharply. You get grabby because you're not sure where your help is. We had a couple coverage busts against Cincinnati. You get five or six yards just by like showing up. Your defensive line doesn't collapse or crash with authority, right? Like everything seems to like be passive, and you can't be passive as a defense. It's just, you're not going to win enough games. And I mean, they they make plays on the ball. They're aggressive. They force fumbles. But if you're hoping that the other team's going to fumble the ball twenty times and that's how you're going to win. I'm willing to tell you the 49ers will not win another football game this year <laughs> if that's their defensive strategy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's simple things like they've been tackling poorly over the, 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 the course of these three games. And like you said, depending too much on, on turnovers as opposed to like getting stops uh, on third down and, there's a whole host of things. And I think, I think you're right. I, I, as you were saying the thing about like, they, they seem to be thinking too much. I think that to me, I, you can see that like there's, there's just too, they're not as, as quick to the ball. They're not as aggressive. Um, and it's strange because it seemed like that was there the first couple of weeks. Like you think about the, the Pittsburgh game and you think about the, you know, earlier in the season, they looked like they were doing those things. And then all of a sudden something cracked and I'm not really sure what happened. Um, you know, they've, they've just not been able to, to be as successful. And I, I think the, the offensive thing is, is, is hard to pinpoint. I think you're right to say that this team really misses Trent Williams. I think there's been, that has accounted for a lot of the running issues because even in the game that he played in um, against the Browns, he wasn't hundred percent. And so that had to impact him impact him i think Debo samuel provides a uh, something else that nobody else on this team can provide even a christian mccaffrey type of player is not Debo samuel he can do some of those things but it's it's a different style and so there's there's something else so i think they are missing those two players those are key elements of their their offensive attack i think they're both um going to be you know it's going to be really important to get them back now that said they still have the horses, obviously, between McCaffrey and between Ayuk and between Kittle, and and that they should be able to get the the job done. I think everybody has just, as you noted, <laughs> has to play better. That's it's really what it comes down to. I mean, if you think about late in the game when Ayuk took that ball off the off the helmet, that's got to be a catch. When Kittle drops that third down pass, that's got to be a catch. So even even against a team that matches up with them pretty well I think in terms of the Bengals I think it's if if you looked somebody in the eye heading into this game and said this is a a Super Bowl preview I don't think anybody would have been like oh no no way um um I think even when the when the schedule was made that was something that that people would have been able to say um but if <laughs> you know if you play like this it's it's, it's not going to it's not going to happen and I think that's that's certainly concerning um the good news is they're they're not even halfway through the season. 
Um, the bad news is that there's a tough stretch, especially through November and the early part of December. This is going to be uh, that is you mean you talk about defining portions of the season that that stretch that starts, you know, more or less after they get back from the bye. Uh, they travel to Jacksonville um, when they for the first game back from the bye. Uh, then they have uh, Tampa Bay. I believe that's a home game. Um, yes. And then they have then they have Thursday night on Thanksgiving in Seattle. And then they have uh, the the first Sunday in December in Philadelphia. And then they have Seattle again on the following Sunday afternoon at home. Then it's Cardinals, uh, Cardinals on the road, Ravens at home, commanders on the road, and then home for the Rams to finish the season off. There's certainly some games in there. You go, yeah, they should beat that team pretty handily. They should, but at this point, <laughs> who knows? And that's what makes this really hard, right? Like you, you look and you're like, oh yeah, they should be able to beat, Tampa Bay, they should be able to beat uh, the be able to beat the commanders like you should feel pretty confident about com- confident about them uh, beating the Rams again, just by nature of them being the Rams. But that game is not going to be easy either, especially at that point in the season. And then there's the rest of it where you look and you go tough competition. Um, so mm-hmm. this team is really going to have to I mean, they only lost what five games all of last year. They're already to three. Um, no, that's not right. They lost six games last year, including the NFC NFC championship game. They're already halfway there and the season's not even, not even halfway over. Uh, So that's got to be concerning as well. I agree. I mean, so if we parallel it to last year, I think the one thing is that their schedule was hard last year too. This team is talented enough to where if they're playing their best, they will win every game. Like, Us saying they could go undefeated is not just like two random homers saying, oh, yeah, like these guys are so good. No one will beat them. No, no, no. The 49ers best brand of football is almost unstoppable because they give you like four offensive possessions in a game. And each of those possessions, you might get five yards because that defense is absolutely swarming. So there's a lot of ways where this goes right. I mean, I agree with you, right? You look at, like, the Tampa game, for example. That's a game they should win. That's There's no ifs, ands, or buts to it. That's a game they should win. The question is, you can't say with any, like, confidence that they will win it. And, I mean, if you look at it, right, We I think it's fair to say the 49ers are somewhere in the upper echelon of the NFL in terms of talent. But right now, their record doesn't say that. Like, Jacksonville? They should not be favored to win that game because they've simply not played well enough to get that right. Jacksonville has a better record than them. I mean, it's things like that, right? Before the season, you look at some of these games, and you're like, oh, yeah, this isn't like not an issue. But now, now everything changes because you don't know what, what type of team is going to show up anymore. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to project at this point looking forward. And, and and to be fair, that team is 
that 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 first game is still a couple of weeks away and all that kind of stuff but it's certainly something you got to keep an eye on um i was just looking to see really quickly if in fact the 49ers were but there are no because it's two weeks away there's no uh at least on espn's app there is no indication i'm sure there's early betting markets and all that kind of stuff which you know if i would kick it to you for that one um (laughs) but it's got to be it's got to be close right like there's no way they're going to be favored if it's you know worst case scenario it's it's like a they're one point favorites on the road which is usually from a betting point of view more like a pick them kind of thing that they don't really do like pick anymore um it's all you know it's going to go one way or the other but it'd, it'd be hard to make a case for them to be favored heading into that game but we shall see um, so, uh, one, uh, I wanted to, to mention this, I meant to, to throw this in earlier in the, in the podcast, but we kind of got, we kind of got moving along. Uh, so I don't know if you saw this, but Kyle Shanahan mentioned, uh, that Aaron Banks has a turf toe injury. So that's super cool. Uh, I think he mentioned the word, uh, he mentioned a couple of weeks is the time frame for that, which... He's got two weeks <laughs> before the next game. I think that almost assuredly, barring some sort of uh, miraculous healing, uh, means that he's probably not going to play in that Jacksonville game, which makes everything worse. And then you, that really means you need Trent Williams back because having two backup offensive linemen on the same side of the of the, of the field is, would be, or the offensive line would be just absolutely horrible. Um, it looks like other than that, they pretty much came out of the out of the game physically unscathed. Uh, Drake Greenlaw, I think, has a shoulder injury, and he just seems to be like generally banged up. Uh, he he kind of hasn't looked fully right back. I mean, just to your point about like the whole defense kind of looking discombobulated, but I've noticed Drake Greenlaw just seems kind of like since he missed missed the game a couple of weeks ago, he just has not. He, the last two games, he's just not really looked like he's all the way right, and so I think he probably he among everybody else just kind of needs this bye week. And I think if there is the saving grace in all this, this three game losing streak, it's like. The bye week it probably would have been nicer to have it last in between <laughs> the Minnesota and the and the Bengals game. But other than that, I can't think of like a better time for this to come uh, for for a team that desperately needs a reset. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing, right, is they need to. To the extent to which we can talk about, like, team momentum game to game. That loss to the Browns definitely kind of like sucked the air out of this team. And they've just like kind of been in a malaise ever since. So I think in that way, you just need a break, focus on yourself, get healthy, and go to Jacksonville starting 0-0, right? And that's hard to do, right? But that's how that's how you got to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, nothing, And there's nothing else you can do at this juncture. Um but of course, the the, the great irony. Uh, so they've faced what is this two weeks in a row now that they face teams coming off bye weeks, uh, and then they have their bye week, and then they don't even get that competitive advantage because guess who else is coming off a bye week next week? Akshaz? Jacksonville. That's right. Uh, so that doesn't seem right to me. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, NFL schedulers. I'm not complaining too terribly much about this, but come on now, like uh, two weeks in a row. Co- facing teams coming off a bye and then we get our bye week and then that's it like we don't even get that one little tiny competitive advantage that comes from from two weeks to plan because the jaguars also have two weeks to plan so cool times um all right well i i think that's that's about enough said on that particular (laughs) subject the team has some things to work on but i think we both agree this is still a talented team um that said 
the uh, we would be remiss if we did not uh, kind of cover one more important thing, and that is the NFL trade deadline. Uh, we are recording this on Monday night, although for me it is nearly uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, Tuesday morning, uh, Tuesday is the NFL trade deadline. Um, it's that is uh, obviously um, on Halloween, which is you know always fun and spooky. Uh, I guess that's why they put it. I'm not really sure. Uh, what time it is, but that ends at 4 p.m. Eastern time on October the 31st, uh, so 1 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. I'm sure there's some, like, it's like one of those, it, the paperwork has to be filed by 4 p.m. kind of thing, but, you know, all the details and stuff. I don't know. I don't know how these things work. Hopefully they're still not faxing deals anymore because that, that would be an atrocity. Um, <laughs> hopefully these are coming through and, like, you know, other types of, of formats there. But so we already saw a, a trade from the 49ers perspective. Um, Randy Gregory came in a couple of weeks ago. It's been okay. I don't think he's made like a massive impact. Um, I think he's certainly been an upgrade over what Drake Jackson and anybody else on the opposite end of Nick Bosa have been providing so far this year, but he hasn't like been a game changer, which I, I, I don't know that they expected him to be a game changer. I think they just expected him to be an upgrade over what they had. Um, I, I saw this article today that referred to those, the trades that um, the type of trade that they made with uh, the Broncos as a, a, a ham sandwich deal uh, <laughs> because you're, you're pick swapping late draft, late round draft picks. So basically it's like, I'll, we'll give them to you for a ham sandwich kind of thing. I guess that's a joke. Um, but at this juncture, uh, the conversation still seems to be, or it was, throughout this uh, leading up to the Bengals game that the Niners were still looking to add pieces to the team. Um, we've talked about this a little bit, but um, I don't know. Realistically, do you want them to add more players or do you, th- or if, or do you, and, and do we think that they're going to, I guess is the question right now. Yeah. I think they have to add. Well, just because I think they're, um, they're at a point right now where addition has multiple things, right? It not only means that you get better, it also means that you reinvigorate your team. And I think that's the big thing, right? Like, what do you think would happen if you bring in, let's say, a J.C. Horn, maybe, or a Jalen Johnson to kind of shore up the secondary? How does – I feel like there are factors that go into it beyond just, like, they'll probably be better in coverage than Isaiah Oliver has been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you're right there in terms of and we can talk about some some of those names here in a a second um, in more detail. But, yeah, I think it it, it rejuvenates the the team a little bit. It makes it makes the the players around go, okay. like even though things are not going great, um, this they still believe in us. That's that that sort of (laughs) boosting us up. I mean, just think about what the Christian McCaffrey trade did for this team last year. Um, yes, it certainly made them better. It improved their running back room. Um, it gave them another dimension to their offense. It made them better. But I think in that particular case, uh, you look at a team that was three and four, two and whatever they were at the time when the trade was made, um, heading into a game against Kansas City that they ultimately got destroyed at um, during at home. And, and that was all horrible and everything. But you look, but the Christian McCaffrey trade was both a tactical and uh, and and useful trade, but it was also a psychological trade to be like, hey guys, 
we went out and we made this this trade, even though the season's going poorly right now, we still believe in your ability to to pick up and and to be better. And so I think the psychological element of bringing in a, a top player of being like, look, we're giving up this draft capital to bring in somebody that we know can perform. I think I think that's that that would say a lot to this team uh, at this point, who's probably feeling a little bit like <laughs> under it right now, given the way that things are going. I just think I'm actually the more I think about it, the more I wonder what their response to trade will be, because part of it might be like, like, let's say you bring in Jalen Johnson. I feel like that's the name that I've been hearing. That's the most like reasonable, mm-hmm. but also like valuable, right? Like that's a legitimate upgrade, but that's also not like getting Patrick Sertain, who's probably not available. Who I mean, I, I guess I'll say this as a, in memoriam to the hopes of Patrick Sertain being a 49er. He would have <laughs> him on this team. They win the Super Bowl. It doesn't even matter how bad the offense plays because now you got nothing. If you're telling me Mooney Ward is your second cornerback, come on. It's, um, they'd be so, they'd be so good to go, but alas, he will not be in Santa Clara this year. But I think, um, Part of me thinks, yes, that like galvanizes your team. You're like, all right, we got someone, we're going for it. But part of it's also like, you're kind of saying to, in this case, Isaiah Oliver and Lenore, hey guys, be better. Like, you're not good enough right now. And I just wonder if a team that I think, again, as much as I can ascribe kind of thought to people who I don't like know and can't like be in the room with, I think this team has a sense that they're better than this, right? And they've demonstrated mm-hmm. it throughout the course of, excuse me, the first five games. So I think in that way, it's actually, you are kind of like saying, you guys are great, but, you know, you're not good enough here. And I just wonder, I hope that wouldn't be the case, but I almost wonder if, you know, players don't view it as like, whoa, you're like overreacting to like three games. And now all of a sudden I'm not like, good enough to start on this team something but i don't know yeah i it's a weird yeah it's a dumb kind of issue if it does pop up but i do <laughs> think it could pop up yeah i mean I, I certainly i certainly could see that that being the case um so jalen johnson is is obviously a name that that has come up uh rumors seem to be swirling that he's that there are conversations happening about him with the bears who obviously lost again uh last night uh, to the Chargers, I believe they're now what two and six on the season. Uh, doesn't seem like they're heading in any particularly uh, good direction. Um, so that is certainly a name to watch out for. Um, as far as a, he's a you know a young player, he's only 24 years old, um, and he's uh, that would certainly be something to, to watch for. He's also from Fresno apparently, so that's interesting. Uh, when, to the University of Utah uh, would be a player to, to watch out for that would, I think, improve uh, the outside, uh, give uh, Diamond Eleanor a chance to move uh, into the uh, the slot corner position. He's more of a traditional slot corner type of player anyway. It's pretty clear at this point that Isaiah Oliver can't stay with the sort of shiftier uh, slot receivers that the NFL tends to throw. Um, the, the, the rumors also seem to be that 
the Bills and the Cowboys are also in on the conversation. So one of the other benefits, uh, uh, similar <laughs> similarly to the McCaffrey trade last year where you outbid the Rams and you're like, yeah, we got the, the player we wanted and we also got to, you know, kind of screw over our division rival in this particular case, taking away a player from the Cowboys that they could, they could help improve their team, especially with their cornerback room being what it is uh, so far. That would be nice. Um, I think I mentioned before, and I know I've mentioned on the podcast about J.C. Horn. Uh, he was a guy that I liked coming out of out of, out of school with um, out of South Carolina. Um, I think that's correct. Yeah, out of South Carolina. Uh, the Panthers obviously got him because the 49ers traded up to get Trey Lance that year. There you go. Um, now, I should say Horn is, I believe, still currently on the IR. Um, he had a hamstring injury. He was placed on IR on the 15th of September. So he may hold on a second. Let me just double check where the situation is there. Um, this is really good. Uh, really good podcasting here is me live, uh, going through this, um, (laughs) as we, as we work it. Um, so his status could be potentially up in the air, but, um, again, he's, he's a first rounder. Um, and I'm not sure if they've picked up his his uh, his fifth year option at this particular point either. So that would be something to watch out for as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think the the secondary is the move. Um, if I had to to kind of pinpoint, uh, yeah, Horn's still on the injured reserve as of right now. So that would probably um, make that a difficult trade to make at this particular juncture, unless you're like. Hey, can we do a physical to make sure he's good? When do we, when is he going to come off like that for a team like the 49ers that needs somebody to immediately step on the field to make a difference? I'm not sure that horn is the move, unfortunately. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I do think though, it's interesting. We've mentioned as the dream scenarios, the two corners from the 2021 draft, which of course is, <laughs> is yeah. the Trey Lance. I mean, not to talk about that, but, Cutting bait on Lance, and now this team clearly could use another pass rusher, another corner. Like, they'll be fine without him, right? Like, yeah. if the 49ers end up not making any moves, which I do think is very possible, this isn't like a, the world is ending, nothing is going right, this team can't win any more games. But, you know, you don't get, you don't have to ask those questions when you go 5-0 and and, like, everything's great and you're winning and you're scoring 30 plus. But once things start falling apart, now you got to start thinking about like, how do we get in this situation and what could have been different? So that's kind of the more existential issues that this deadline is probably <laughs> bringing for this team, but it kind of is what it is, right? They're in this position now, yeah. but you know, Lynch and Shanahan got an extension, so they'll be around for a they while. Got, they which got- means you know they they got to they got to learn as they see how this team's stumbling how it is that they could have got him into a position where this wouldn't happen yeah for sure um the other uh i mean we talked cornerbacks a little bit um the other position to potentially still watch out for is maybe an even further upgrade along the defensive line it seems crazy that they would do that considering they already traded for a defensive lineman and they're already shelling out so much money for their defensive line that is definitely underperforming. Um, of course, the Washington Commanders have two pretty good ones in the form of Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Um, 
don't know. You, would you, first of all, I guess what would be the question? If you're going to do one move, is it do you go get a cornerback and then trust that your defensive line is it currently as constructed is going to figure it out? Or do you hope that you can just throw more <laughs> more darts at the defensive line and and hope that that will help shore up whatever the situation might be in the back? So I have two answers. I would get a cornerback. I think the 49ers are going to get an edge rusher, though. Yes, because <laughs> that's like kind of like a what do they think is valuable versus what do I think is mm. valuable. Yeah. I just don't yeah. like do I see sweat or young like adding another dimension to steam? Absolutely. Like, who are you kidding? Of course, they'd be huge. But at the end of the day, one extra pass rusher isn't going to change the fact that Nick Bosa is not getting home, that Hargrave and Armstead aren't really getting interior pressure anymore, right? Like, if the if the end result of getting another pass rusher is like, hey, we need to get a guy who can, like, get double teamed, that way Nick Bosa gets one-on-ones, then this entire season's gone to waste if that's what is happening with your defensive player of the year right now. So I think mm-hmm. corner is a position where it's like, look, I don't – I don't necessarily believe that the 49ers corners playing at their best is a is much different than what we've seen right now, which is like a terrifying thing to say about a team. But, you know, I can I think that's pretty fair in terms of how how they've played is like this is kind of the rough, rough baseline they'll be at. They'll have a couple penalties. Really good receivers will get them, but they can make a couple plays and be pretty solid and that's something you want that to not be the case you want the like top end to be we can blanket a team and just yeah. suffocate them well so i haven't i i do corner but i yeah i don't think they really care about what i have to say <laughs> they haven't called us yet um no. hold on phone ringing oh no john lunch <laughs> not not it's not john lunch uh yeah i mean i think I agree with you. Certainly the way that this 49ers team has drafted and the where they've spent their money for the most part in free agency and and as like extensions would certainly suggest that uh, they believe that the pass rush can solve a lot of issues in the secondary. Um, but we've also seen over the last couple of weeks where if your vaunted defensive line doesn't do its job, then you're exposing uh, the secondary. So as you say, it would be really nice. I I, I personally think they have a, a good enough defensive line that if they can figure out how to produce more, not only pressures, because the pressures seem to be there for the most part, a lot of the sacks that they, they, they the all three of the sacks really that they, uh, they created against the Bengals were as a result of, of good pressure. And then there's that infuriating play where Joe Burrow just like, I don't know how he got free of that. And, and then on top of everything else for the whatever penalty they called at the end of it, I don't quite remember, but <laughs> uh, it was just a wild sequence. Uh, I, I think if the play was let's bank on that talented group of players to do better, but also increase the probability that we'll be able to cover better on the back end. I think that to me seems like the better play here. Like you've already invested so much in this defensive line it can't keep throwing more things at it and and just hope that that's going to solve the problem um, because maybe it won't. And then maybe you just have a really talented, underperforming defensive line. But it would help a little bit if you had another cornerback that you felt like this guy can really hold it down. 
I think, you know, at the end of the day, this team, you can't just like, like no one's saying, even though the green line Warner haven't been like a hundred percent the last couple of weeks, dang, they need to get a linebacker. Right. That's clear. Like that's not, there's some level of like reason and common sense. You got to be like, look, sometimes your players just need to play better. And with their defensive line, this isn't like a this season thing. Their defensive line, with how much they're getting paid, simply just has to play better. Like, this entire team is built around the fact that they have to play better. So I think you have to you have to write it out. And if it means that you made a bad decision, then at the end of the year, you get a, you got a lot more to think about. Because if this defensive line is really underperforming that much and can't get it done, then this entire four, this whole 49ers thing comes crashing down. Well, that, yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> sad to think about. Um, that was really sad. That made me more sad. Uh, you're supposed to not make me so sad. Actually, now I feel worse. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll survive. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we shall see. Um, I think that's, that's where we are at this point, obviously. Uh, again, as we record, it's nearly midnight on uh, the East Coast, so there's roughly, you know, what, 16 hours left to go, um, which means that on the West Coast, John Lynch can still be awake, like, working the phones. Like, wake up those East Coasters. Like, nobody cares. They, they don't need to sleep. Um, Martin Mayhew doesn't need to sleep. You can call him up and whoever the, I don't know who the, <laughs> not sure who the, the Bears uh, I can't remember the name of the Bears GM, but he's he's on the central time. He can still be awake. Call him up um, and get the get things going. Let's do it. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, I think I think that that pretty much will will wrap it up on this one. This is not exactly a, a game recap, but more of a like state of the season at this particular juncture, which I think is OK, given how things have, have progressed um, uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, I, th- I think at this point we're we're gonna again barring any major uh, news or anything that comes. I think if there if there's a big if there's a big trade, we may reconvene later in the week to just kind of chat about how that might impact the season moving forward. But at this point, I think we're, we we also could do with a little bit of a, a a podcasting break. So we'll we'll be back with you um, later in the week that follows in our more uh, regularly scheduled time to chat about the Jaguars game. Uh, that will happen in um, in Jacksonville uh, early in November. But um, Asha, has any uh, parting words uh, before we uh, close this one out? So for the last hour, I've kind of talked about how this season is falling apart. Now the 49ers need to get it together. <laughs> and how I believe the last words I said were this whole 49ers thing can will fall apart. But That is correct. Yes. I mean – Take a step back. This team is five and three. It has like two of the best defensive players in the NFL on its roster. Probably the best quartet of offensive weapons. The best left tackle. Things teams struggle. That's like well and true. And I think you know it's easy to kind of get caught in the oh my god, how are they losing three games? But at the end of the day, they just need to get into the playoffs and win three or four games, and that's it. That's all they need. That's that's how this whole football thing works. So, you know, <laughs> sometimes paradise isn't as dreamy as we all hoped it to be, but I can tell you there's, like, 
probably 20 or so NFL teams that are having a much worse time than the 49ers are yep. right now. So in that way, you know, there's still there's always a bright side to to being a fan of this team. Yeah, 100%. Um yeah, if they if they if they finish the season what 13 and 4 or 12 and 5, but it's still good enough to get into the playoffs and they make a run, um and get to the Super Bowl and win the whole thing. They go to Las Vegas and they win the whole thing. I don't think we're going to be like, hey, remember that three-game losing streak <laughs> right before the bye? Like, how horrible was that? We'll just be like, hey, remember that three-game losing streak and how it didn't ultimately end up mattering at all because they won the Super Bowl anyway? It'll be great. Um, and the other thing I'll say is, you know, again, I, I talked about <laughs> being living in Panthers country, and I watched the end of the Panthers game on Sunday uh, leading up to the 49ers game. And no, I've never seen such a... A, a giddy man is as Zane Gonzalez who kicked the game winning 23 yard field goal after the Texans committed, I think three straight penalties uh, <laughs> in order to, to move the, the game winning field goal basically up to like the two yard line. It was pretty hilarious, uh, but he, that he was excited. He was like super pumped. They won their first game of the season. Guess what? They still don't have a first round pick, but uh, <laughs> on that note. Uh, so thanks uh, as always for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the fan-sided podcast network. As always, check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis, even through the bye week and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn 49ers. Mm-hmm.